Du lyssnar på Framgångspodden i samarbete med Ekost. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Det här avsnittet presenteras i samarbete med Framgångsakademin som är Sveriges största tjänst för personlig utveckling och karriär. Och de har nu lanserat Framgångsakademins app där du kan kolla på alla kurser direkt i mobilen vart du än befinner dig. Här har du Sveriges främsta experter samlade på en och samma plats i syfte att utveckla dig. I och med detta har vi tagit fram ett once in a lifetime erbjudande där du får gå utbildningar helt gratis första månaden följt av 80% rabatt som du sedan behåller hur länge du vill. Det är alltså ingen bindningstid eller uppsägningstid. Nu är det enbart 500 stycken som får det här erbjudandet så det är först till kvarn som gäller. Allt handlar om att inte stå stilla på samma ställe utan istället utvecklas. Och vill du vidare i livet så är detta det absolut billigaste och bästa sättet du kan göra det på. Det är ett enkelt sätt att levla upp både din karriär och dig själv. Så vad väntar du på? Gå in på kampanj.framgangsakademin.se och signa upp dig direkt. Alltså kampanj.framgangsakademin.se Welcome ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to maybe one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Fram Gangspotten with Alexander Perleros. Jag minns när jag såg The Wolf of Wall Street och jag minns också hur jag bara, alltså det här är intressant. Kan en människa vara med om allt det här? Alltså jag typ ramlade baklänges. Och den spelades av Leonardo DiCaprio som spelar Jordan Belforts liv och allt som han har varit med om. Och det är ju verkligen helt sinnessjuk historia och nu fick jag möjligheten att intervjua just honom. Men han är också New York Times bäst säljande författare. Han är välkänd motivationstalare och är just nu en av världens främsta säljtränare. 
Och han har ju verkligen överlevt både uppgångar och totala nedgångar. Men också just nu så coachar han organisationer i försäljning och uppnå mätbara och långsiktiga framgångar. Han kommer till Sverige nu också den 30 augusti. Men nu lyssnar vi in Jordan Belfort. Welcome ladies and gentlemen. Let me introduce you to Fram Gangspotten with Alexander Paleros. It's very nice to have you here today, Mr. Jordan Belfort. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Oh nice. Can you, can you tell me like how does your life look like? You live in Florida, married, three kids. Live in the Miami Beach. Married. I have uh, kids. I have three all together. Two uh, biological, one stepson. So they're all grown. Uh, so life is good. They can't complain. Nice to hear. Do you have any daily routine like you had before? A lot of routines, a lot of stuff. Do you have any daily routine that you have keep and, and you are doing right now? Yo, know, right now I'm in the middle of writing a book. So I'm really just focusing like. 99% of my energy is directed towards that. I wake up at uh, probably five o'clock in the morning and I just write oh. from five o'clock in the morning till 7 p.m., 8 p.m. at night. And then I wow. uh, take an hour off and go to sleep and then wake up and write again. I'm like, I'm writing literally full time now. So any any distraction away from writing is, uh, is, is time that, you know, it's one less second that... The book won't be finished. I mean, I hate writing, but I think a big part of success in life is getting yourself to do the shit you don't like doing when you know you have to do it. So I, you know, I, I don't like to write, but I know it's a important thing. So I'm doing it. I mean, listen, I've written three books. It's on, it's on the stock, how to invest in the stock market and crypto. Okay. 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 Stock market and crypto. Mm, right. It's like an insider's handbook to Wall Street and you know how you basically cut through all the bullshit and the misinformation and the nonsense out there and how you just, you know, build a long-term portfolio that, you know, is going to serve you well. And what are your thoughts about uh, the crypto right now? Well, I mean, listen, I mean I'm uh, I'm bullish on uh on Bitcoin and Ethereum uh Very bullish, very, very bullish, in fact, now, um, especially these prices. But I, I think that you can, I don't invest in um, in crypto for the short term. I think it's a very long-term horizon. So for me, it's a five-year horizon, longer even probably, in the sense that I have no, intent, no intention of selling. Um, and I don't invest in any of the other coins or tokens or anything else. I just literally, just all my money is in Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then some of the own the stuff that I own myself. Or I'm part of the company and I have some very large positions and stuff, but I, I don't go out into the open market and buy just, you know, cryptocurrency. I think it's a very, very uh, tough way to make money because uh, there's no regulation in the market. There's no transparency and you're really pretty much always buying based on the greater fool theory. So I stay away from it. Right. I have one like opening question for you that I thought about, and um, we, we we can have that that you you are in your deathbed, and you have three friends that are visiting you, and one of them is your heart, the other one is your soul, and the third one is your body. What do you think these three friends 
would say to you? My body would say, well, you got away with murder. <laughs> you, didn't, <laughs> you didn't treat me so, but I, I, you know, like I was, I was good to you. You know, I didn't age as fast as most bodies age. And while we've had our setbacks, I was pretty much there for you the whole time. My soul, I would say, well, you know, I, you, you know, I've, you've, I've tortured you most of your life. I've been a tortured soul, I think, right? You know, <laughs> and my heart would say that I've loved. I, I think my heart, I've loved fully. I'm not my heart. I think I would say I, I never held back with that. I've loved. I've been married, been loved three times in my life. I love my children deeply. I love my friends. So my heart, I think, is pure. Mm. That's honest. That's good. And and like you talked about your kids. What do you want your kids to to uh, like learn from you, or if you will give them a gift in learning, what or experience, what what would that be? Well, certainly, I think my 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 gift to my children is showing them how you can make mistakes in life and not be defined by them, but you can learn from them and grow from them and. And use them to propel you to even a greater life than you previously had before. So I think uh, many people go through life and they allow the mistakes of their past to become who they are versus allowing them to learn from their mistakes and becoming stronger, more effective and better people in general. That's good. And like, if you we jump into that, to mistakes... You have you have said this. I love this one. You said that um, we learn a lot more from our failures than we do from our successes. Never fear failure, but prepare for it. Mm. Can you explain this further? Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly, any successful person who's lived a while will tell you for sure that number one, failure is definitely a part of success. If you want to succeed in life, you're going to have to put yourself out there in situations where you're not necessarily going to succeed and have failures along the way. And then step two, to learn from those, you learn so much more from when things go wrong, because when things are going right, it's all easy. Oh, yeah, it's great. Just, you know, same old, same old. But when things are going wrong is when you really have to rely on your resilience, your ingenuity, the resources you have. Um, so I believe that the lessons really are far more in the failures. There's lessons in success too, by the way, because you know you don't have to fail. You learn from your successes, but sort of failures like this crash course in learning in life. And um, and then third is to, is um, to um, again, you know, use those to propel yourself to even higher levels of success. So yes, the, the the big one is that like that said failure. Yes, so you, the failures are in the lesson. The lessons are in the failures for sure, right? I, I don't think that you like. I think people will say, "Oh, you know, people don't take action because they're scared to fail." I don't think that's so much true. I I, I think that people don't take action because they don't believe they're going to succeed. They 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 don't believe in themselves. Okay, understand. They don't believe in yourself. And and have you like believe in yourself your whole life? Um, no, but, but even when I don't believe myself, I've, I've, um, taught myself to move past that and take action anyway. So I, I'd be lying to you if I said I was always confident that I knew what I was doing and always believed that I'd get the outcome I want. What I've always believed is that if it doesn't work out, it's not because I'm missing some gene or I have some, you know, fate 
on me that's just a negative blight on my life. Like I believe that my while I might not be right all the time, and certainly I'm going to make mistakes along the way, that I have with within me to figure everything out and to ultimately succeed. And if I don't succeed, it's not through the fact that I'm incapable or the world's against me. I believe that sometimes we fail in life and you learn from those failures and you move on. But I I always look at it like it's not me. It might not be self-belief that I always know everything. I don't believe that. But I always believe that that it's never an impossibility for me to get what I want. And like, you're like one of the best sales sales coaches in, in the world. And um, uh, can we jump into the beginning? Sure. You've always had a passion for selling and like hustling. At the age of 14, you were selling Italian ice from coolers to people at Jones Beach. Right. That was was my my first big success. I had done stuff before that when I was a kid. I was the kid with the lemonade stand, the paper out, all the odd jobs and little entrepreneurial schemes as a kid, right? But when I was, it was actually 16, I went down to uh, the local beach and um, I noticed an opportunity that there was a long walk between the shoreline and the concession stand where they sold drinks and people didn't want to make that walk and there was nothing closer. And I realized that if I could bring things down to the shore, I could make a lot of money if I sold them to people. And that's exactly what I did. And I went out the next day and bought a cooler, a white styrofoam cooler and loaded it up mm-hmm. with Italian ices and trip pitches and fudgicles and all this other stuff. And the, and the total cost of the cooler was, I think, $22. And I went and sold it down by the shoreline for $120 in literally like an hour. And, <laughs> and I realized that, wow, that was a lot of money. Yeah. And how much did you do? You did like, it was like 30K. I made a lot That's of money. I, mean, I made I made tremendous amount of money for that. And I mean, listen, just like it, it, when I did that, I made that the first summer that I sold ice, I made about twenty five, twenty six thousand dollars, which is the equivalent now of like maybe like seventy thousand dollars. And the next summer, I made fifty thousand dollars, which is the equivalent of one hundred and fifty. So I made a lot of. I made more than my parents were making by then. I was making, but I was a teenager. I made so much money. And what did you do with all the money? Did you invest them or like buy? No, I used that. I used that money to put myself through college. I, I put myself through school. I bought a car. I lived well. I said I used it for a living. I spent. I mean, I I supported myself, and I went to, went away to school, lived in a dorm. I, I rented my own house, and uh, and then you know the the only problem was with that job was for two and a half months out of the year. So that had to last me the whole year. So every I would go broke by, you know, as the summer was coming up around again, I was already running out of money from the last year. So, but it was an incredible, I mean, listen, more than just the money I made, it was the mindset I developed and the, and the belief systems that I were being ingrained in me that, you know, about taking action, about hard work, about, um, never giving up about always being the top producer because other people came and did it after me. So I had the pride of always being the biggest seller. So I think that really laid the foundation for who I was in many ways. And at the age of 21, if I remember right, you were selling, um, was, uh, was it 5,000 pounds of seafood? Meat, a week? Meat, meat and seafood, meat and seafood. <laughs> meat and seafood. Yeah. So I started yeah. my own business, um, 
going door to door. And I built this business up from one truck to 26 trucks. Um, and I was making a ton of money, I thought, but actually I was making every mistake that a young entrepreneur could make. I was overexpanding. I was undercapitalized. I was growing on credit. So that was really where I learned the hard way about the rules and strategies of business and entrepreneurship. And I made a lot of mistakes and the business wasn't a particularly good business anyway. It was low margin. So I would never in a million years go into a business like that. Now I avoided like the plague, <laughs> but I learned from that. And that was what allowed me when I went down to Wall Street and ultimately started my own brokerage firm. That was what gave me the ability to really understand how to run a business um, and propel me to massive success. Why did you choose Wall Street? I chose Wall Street because um, someone that I knew growing up, a casual friend, an acquaintance, had gone down to Wall Street and he wasn't a very sharp kid. He was not a kid that was voted like most likely to succeed or was a sales type or you never thought this kid would get rich. And I heard this rumor that this kid went down to Wall Street. He was making a million dollars a year. And I'm like, if he can make a million bucks, I'll make 10. That's what I thought, really. And that, that was really, that's why I went down to Wall Street. I, I just said, if that guy can do it, I can certainly do it. And that's how it started. How did it felt like the, the first, the first um, day that you were, had your license? Well, that- so the first day, so it, I went down to Wall Street and I had, a, had to be a trainee for six months and, and pass my exam. And then when I finally did, and my first day came as a stockbroker, it turned out, unfortunately, so shockingly, to be October 19th, 1987, Black Monday. And the stock market dropped 508 points in my first day. And just like that, the firm that I'd been working for, which had been in business for 112 years, it was a mass major firm, LF Rothschild. (laughs) They went out of business and that was it. It was over. So it was an unbelievable shock. To the system. How did it felt? Was it like, holy fuck? Or was it like, okay, I take the next, what is the next thing I would do? No, it was, it was, it? It was a massive blow. I mean, that was a huge blow because, you know, by, by then I was well known among my friends, my wife, myself, my parents, that I was going to be successful. I was going to be, I was the best salesman. I had broken all the records and other businesses. And I was a very hard worker. I was destined for success. I don't think anyone that knew me would have argued with that. And when I went down to Wall Street and saw all these other people making money, I was like, oh, it's a foregone conclusion. I'm going to get rich doing this. And then when the market crashed, it was terrible. It was shocking. I was like, all of a sudden, the whole thing and, you know, and people were saying, oh, it's over. It's the death of Wall Street and so on and so forth. Like people didn't think it was going to come roaring back to life. So, um, yes, it was terrible. And I had to deal with that shock. And how did you come to Stratton Oakmont? So, what happened was when, when the market crashed, the firm I was with closed. No one was hiring. So I answered an ad in the newspaper for a brokerage firm off of Wall Street on the lounge. And, and 
I walked into this room. It was just like the movie. It was a small, dilapidated office, and they were selling penny stocks. And that's really how I, I got into that world. I mean, because after the market crash, and then I went and they immediately broke the records at that company uh, and had a very different style of selling that you know they had never seen before. Uh, and everyone started to copy me. And ultimately, I ended up starting my own small firm um, that was named Stratton. I ultimately bought another company, Oakmont, because I needed a different license for whatever. And it was just for the license. And so became Stratton Oakmont. And then I discovered this uh, niche in the market, which was selling $5 stocks to the richest 1% of Americans and, and invented the straight line system, a sales training system. And those two things together, that was it. It was just, you know, it, it just took off like a rocket ship. And I started making massive sums of money and had thousands of people working for me. I was very, very young at the time, but it all just, it was very fast. Once it clicked, it was very fast. Yeah, it was so fast. It was so fast. Did you change very much like a person to, you know, be the really, really hardworking guy that came to Wall Street that had the dream? And then very, very fast, you become, I mean, like you said, you have like one and a half thousand of stock bro brokers under you. Uh, and, and you were selling like billions. I mean, how, how did you change as a person? You know, listen, I, I, it's, you know, it's interesting. It's, you know, I wouldn't say I changed so much as a person as much as I, I, I went through a phase in my life where I was basically playing out every adolescent fantasy that I ever had in my life. Like suddenly, you know, I, I realized I can, you know, have any girl I want drive any car I want, fly in any type of jet I want, live in any house I want, have any boat I want. I have people that are all um, looking up to me because I have all the power I want. That's obviously very intoxicating for a young guy. You know, suddenly you you, uh, you have all of this handed to you on a silver platter. So, so I wouldn't say it changed me, but certainly temporarily it impacted my, the way I, at least I thought I felt about myself, my self-esteem. Um, and I drank it all in and went fucking wild. I mean, I, you know, I, I partied like a rock star, lived like a king and uh, made massive sums of money. And then along the way, I kind of lost my ethics and integrity. But, you know, I'll tell you, like the, the truth of the matter is that Wall Street is such an, a horribly corrupt racket and place that yeah yeah well all I did was definitely what I did was wrong there's no doubt but you know there was so much worse going on at the bigger firms that ultimately would come out years later with the global financial crisis just the thievery and fraud and outright scumbaggery on Wall Street was so severe it still is I mean it was so bad back then um so I you know I was just another cog in the wheel of a giant Wall Street machine that was designed to mostly separate people from their money while also fueling the growth of the economy. So it has a like dual function, Wall Street. Like it serves as this really important function where it serves the economy, it creates massive wealth and prosperity, uh, and is absolutely necessary for the functioning of a, of a capitalist economy. 
And at the same time, they, they rape and pillage the village and destroy people and rip people off and, and, and shit all over the economy and create giant bubbles on purpose and milk every one of their money, you know, either directly or indirectly. And that's the cycle. So, and it causes these cycles of booms and busts. We're right now going through a bust right now because of Wall Street. This is an intended, it's not an accident, it's an intended consequence that people that are in charge of Wall Street bring on the world. They, they purposely do this. And um, it's an obvious playbook they've been running for the last hundred years. And it's never going to end, probably. Do, do, do you think it's like that nowadays too? But- of course it is. Of course it is. You have, a, you have a few big firms out there that literally purposely inflate the market and create massive bubbles and milk just untold billions from fees and they just do it again and again mm. and again and again, whether it's, you know, Goldman Sachs manipulating the commodities market, the carbon credit market, uh, all mm. of them working on the housing market. It's the same thing over and over again. It's just, then they shit on Iceland and Greece and Norway, by the way. I mean, we shit, I mean, the Wall Street shit on Norway so badly back in 2000. It was like a joke. I mean, the fact that you guys didn't come down with pitchforks and torches and fucking lynch the greedy bastards is a miracle, <laughs> right? right? No, seriously. Well, that's the point. That, yeah, that, that yeah. Your, it shows you the insanity of Wall Street that, you know, how depraved they are, these They're fucking ass clowns. I mean, like, like, so like they almost destroyed the country that protects them. Like they almost brought down the entire United States. And the United States is the one country that offers them the political protection and military cover that stops everyone else from just coming down and destroying them. So it's like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's run them off the whole thing. And, and at the same time, that, but that's mm. the odd part is at the same time, they create massive wealth and successful is a two headed monster that has like this dark side of the force and the light side of the force. But can you explain? You have like thousands of stories. Can you take, can you choose like two of them and to, um, to for the listeners, like explain how, how it was and what you did at that time in your life? I mean, I, I think that, you know, what, what happened, the movie's a very accurate depiction of, of that, of the personal aspects of my life, like just how, utterly insane anymore. So I, I, I think that, you know, what, what, I think what you have to realize here, and, and this is true of Wall Street itself. Like, you know, if you, you know, I, I, you know, you could indict Wall Street and say they're horrible people. They ra- rape and pillage the village. They cause all these bubbles and do all this terrible stuff. But individually, they're all good people. Like, it's like, there's nothing like, it's not like they're bad, evil people twisting their arms. It's like each little cog in the wheel is doing something that collectively creates fucking mayhem. Right. So I, I think the same is true. At like in my firm, like we were absolutely wild, but what happens is that like, you know, that you have this sort of herd mentality. There's the, the mob. And when the mob gets together, suddenly that things you would never do yourself seem completely normal and rational when they're in the mob. So like, you know, we had this just giant mob, like the mob at Rome of thousands and thousands of people. And in one place, the boardroom, it was like the Roman Colosseum. And just like, you know, whatever we were doing, it was about more and more extreme things, you know, um, drug addiction, travel, uh, prostitutes, you name it, sexual. We just did everything. And it was always about, Can you top this? How much lower can you go? 
How much higher and higher can you climb as an action junction? How much more shallow and more shallow can the pool that you dive into get? It's like you're just looking for more extreme, crazy shit on a daily basis. Yeah. And it's all fueled by just making massive sums of money. So we were working working hard and partying even harder. And we had this old saying, you know, you need to go out with the boys, you know, wake up with the men. That was the saying. You go out with the boys, you wake up with the, up with the men. So we partied hard, we worked hard, and it was all about just literally, you know, anybody, anyone, matter what family you came from, what education you had, what mistakes you made in the past, doesn't matter what your mother told you, your teacher told you, your ex-girlfriend told you, they could have all said you're the lowest piece of shit loser who will never amount to anything. The moment that you walked in the door of the boardroom, everything changed. The past was gone. You could go in there and reinvent yourself. You worked hard, follow the system, learn the straight line. You could become as powerful as you wanted, make as much as you wanted. That was the whole basis of Stratton. You know, the fact that it was stocks mm. and this and that, it's just, you know, incidental. The mindset behind it was literally that you'd come in there and anybody could get rich. That was what the whole thing. So that fueled just an insane run. And as part of that, we wanted to have fun. We were young, seizing the moment. You know, nothing was mm. too crazy. Wild parties in the Hamptons. We did everything. It was, it was fucking awesome. That part was awesome. Mm -hmm. And like, how many times have you been close to death? Near death? Is it like flying with a helicopter is one when you was on drugs like and three totally or four, drunk? Three or four times. I mean, three like, you know, but like, I don't know. I mean, I, I never really, I mean, a couple of times was really close, right? But, but, uh, but like, it wasn't like, you know, I, I don't think I really had a death wish per se. I, that, that wasn't it. It's just that um, I always had confidence in myself. I'd, I'd somehow walk away from the situation, not unscathed, but, not too badly skated. <laughs> like, so I, you know, I had this belief that I was meant to keep going. So, um, and then of course I got sober in 98, 97. And then, um, and then things calmed down a bit, but I had a, a good run of eight or nine years. I was just like literally living on the edge every day. Mm, I understand. And I have like some questions more. I have the question, like, uh, I heard a story. I think is amazing with Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, It was like a bidding war. Brad Pitt, Leo, Clooney, Wahlberg. Uh, yeah, true. That's about true. your role in the in the in the in the Wolf Wall Street. Yeah, um, so, so I yeah, how, that was true. Yeah. How was the relationship with with Leonardo? It's great. I just saw him like uh, I saw him two weeks ago. Uh, he's great. Um, he's an amazing guy. Um, and you know what he said to me is like, we saw each other. We were, we were at a party together. Um, on a yacht in uh, the South of France for the Cannes Film Festival. And I hadn't seen him in a while because of the pandemic. And he said to me, he goes, you know, we created something that will never be created again. He goes, it's just, you cannot make a movie like that anymore. Uh, he said, we made a dent in the universe and like, it'll just, it's it'll stand forever the test of time. That movie's going nowhere. And what else? What else he said that was really cool because he never saw Marty Scorsese happier in his whole life than when he was making that movie. Like usually Marty's all tense and worried, and if he's making that movie, he was just having a fucking ball. It was really fun. It was the, <laughs> it was the most fun Marty ever had. Everyone had fun, and uh, and I think that shows in the in the out the product, the finished product. The movie's just is if nothing else, it's fun. It's 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 just really a fun movie. And it it brings you to a 
time of, of uh, in history that you really couldn't talk about it. Like, you don't, you can't do it anymore unless you, I mean, I think if you go way back to like my ancient history, you can do whatever you want still. But, you know, the political correctness of the day is, is prevented Hollywood yeah. from embracing subjects that are like just normal everyday life of the way people lived back in the 70s, yeah. 80s and 90s. It's almost like off limits now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, like a legendary movie, a legendary one. And also it's, it's, uh, it's your life. That's so crazy. It is. I Some know. It's pretty crazy. Heard, I know. And I also heard that you take away like the, this is, this is um, some stuff, but you have so much more also. Yeah. Well, obviously. Uh, I want yeah. To, yeah. I want to ask some questions about like uh, uh, sales and um, uh, yeah, you are one of the, the top sales coaches of the world. How do you become the best salesman in a company? How do you become one of the best one of 100? Hmm. Well, it's a combination of obviously like the first thing, the number one single most important thing is hard work. There's just no denying that. You know, you, you know, by being the hardest worker, the person making the most calls, whether those calls are in person, over the phone, um, doesn't matter, you know, uh, Skype or whatever, or Zoom, it doesn't matter. It's hard work is such a critical point of sales. That's number one. Number two is, um, is the strategy that you're using. In other words, like, for example, any sales company that you, you, I'm not talking about just a straight line system, but certainly like looking at what the top producers of a company are doing. And like, if I walk into any company, the first thing I'm going to do is what are the top three or four sales people doing? I'm going to look at what they're doing and try to model what they're doing because some some things might not be duplicatable. They might be accessing groups of people I just can't access because they're insiders somewhere. They went to a certain school or they come from a certain family. But I'm I'm going to look for the commonalities in, in the strategies they have that are duplicatable. I'm going to integrate those and put those on the straight line, meaning and take those within the context of the straight line and make that my strategy. So I'm going to I'm going to certainly put strategy to the whole thing. So it's hard work, it's strategy, and also it's this building mindset. Is, and that is to make sure that I show up every single day at the top of my game. So I think a lot of problems start when you have someone with a lot of talent and they even are high up on the strategy level, but they can't get themselves to consistently show up each day at the top of their game. So they have good days, a lot more bad days, so they never become top producers. So I think those three things strategy, number one, hard work, also number one, and then also adopting the system and state management. How did you come back when you uh, were in Yale and like lost everything and like had this millions of dollars, like yachts, everything, and then you were 22 months in Yale and like lost everything and that's like, yeah, one of the biggest comebacks. Yeah. Oh, that was tough. That was, listen, that was, you know, that was like, uh, I, I think at that point in time is when a person really finds out who they are. You know, who are you? Um, are you going to allow yourself to become a victim? Are you, are you going to allow 
the mistakes that you've made to, to come to define who you are? Or are you going to learn from those mistakes and literally just, just not be willing to ever give up and, and somehow fashion a comeback? Now, how I did it is one way. There's many ways for people to come back from failure. But the idea, it starts with this idea that I, I am coming back. I am not done. I am not going to say die. I'm not going to say it's over and not let the mistakes I made define me. So, so there's two possibilities. One, one is the emotional side, the, you know, the mindset. I'm just not, okay, I'm here. It sucks. But what can I do now? What can I learn from my mistakes that I made? And how do I, you know, sort of fashion a path forward and then act on that path? For me, when I was in jail, I didn't have a lot of options other than to teach myself to write. That was one way I had. I could actually not waste my time by teaching myself a skill. And I did that. And that turned out to be the single most important move I probably made in my entire life. It was, seriously, it was, was that. It was like not wasting my time in jail and teaching myself how to write. It's a skill I'm still harnessing today. To this very day, I'm writing a book. So I'm using skills I learned when I was in jail. I taught myself how to write. So I think that, you know, mm. and that's in the worst place in the world. So I think that, you know, one thing that you should remember, anyone who's listening to this, is that no matter what you want to accomplish in life, there's going to typically be some specialized skills that you need to possess at a high level. Like, so it's like, you know, you might want to go somewhere in some direction or accomplish something, but that something is going to require more than just an average set of skills. So you're going to need a particular set of skills to accomplish that at a very high level. So um, a lot of people miss that step and they, they want to get somewhere, but they don't say, okay, wait, before I do that or on the journey there, I, I can still head there, but I have got to like really stop in this one moment and actually in place, learn, perfect certain skill sets. Because without that, I'm just, it's like, I'm just a fucking dreamer. I'm a hapless dreamer wishing for something that will never become a reality because I don't possess the skills. So I, you have to really embrace that, that there's skill required in life. It's not just mindset. They're both. Mm. Right. And uh, you are also coming to Sweden. I am. And that I'm very excited. Yeah. I know I'm going to Sweden and also to Norway. And I'm super excited for both. Um, listen, I, I, I've been to that part. I've been to Sweden. I've been to Norway once at a huge crowd there. Love the area. I'm going to you know, be teaching all my best stuff in sales, entrepreneurship, uh, you know, how to invest correctly and uh, everything you can imagine that really is about living a financially empowered life, having fun while you do it. So I'm super excited. Yeah. And I put all the links to like your books and your, your, uh, your courses and also to your visiting here in the, in the bio. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about the straight line system? What is that? So the straight line is this is a system that I developed many years ago that allows any person, whether they have talent or not for sales, to become a world-class closer in a very short period of time. So it allows anyone, and by the way, when I say a closer, meaning like I don't care what you do for a living, whether it's your business life as a salesperson, as an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter what you do, you need to have a skill set that allows you to influence, persuade, and close the deal. Personal life as well. So the straight line system is a very easy to learn, even easier to implement, powerful system that allows you to get people to say yes, <laughs> like close the deal. You could 
people to change their mind from let me think about it to yes. It's incredibly effective, very easy to learn. It's changed more people's lives than I can imagine, millions of people's lives. So it's an awesome, awesome skill set to have. All right. And can you tell us something about it? Can you give us some uh, tests? Can you give us something? Well, you know, listen, the, the, the essence of the straight line is that, you know, um, there's certain things that natural born closers do automatically. And there's very few people who are really natural born closers. I, I was, I was blessed by that. There were certain things that I was doing automatically, naturally, that always allowed me to break all the records. Well, those things actually can be modeled and duplicated. The straight line system allows you to do that, to sell the same way that a world-class closer would sell. And the first step to that is literally learning how to take control of a conversation. How do you take control of an encounter? That does not mean just talk, talk, talk. It doesn't mean that at all. It means how do you ask questions the right way? What tonalities do you use? So it's sort of a, it's a series of, of, uh, of, of communication strategies that together allow you literally to get to this point where you can close anyone who's closable. That doesn't mean you close everyone. Some people will not close, but you, know, you walk away from a sales situation knowing that if you didn't close someone, it wasn't because you made a mistake. They weren't buying from anybody. So it's so powerful and so effective. I mean, really, it changes people's lives. And how do you learn more about this? Well, I mean, I, I teach, listen, number one, when I go live in seminars, I teach it around the world. You can check out some of the links I think that you put up here for my courses. You can find some free stuff online at first. I love teaching it in person. So I think when I come to Sweden, for sure, I know I'll be teaching the straight line system, among other things. It's, it's such a life-changing skill um, that once you own it, possess it, it just, it makes everything else better. Really. Nice. Thank you very much, Jordan Belfort. And My pleasure. I'm looking forward so much to, to see you in Sweden. Thank you. I'll see you soon. Fram Gangspotten with Alexander Perleros. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.